This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm glad to be able to jump in and, and, uh, and preach this morning. I enjoy it. Um, it's, not, it's not necessarily a natural thing for me. I, I'm in sales. That's what I do. And so talking is natural. Uh, but being up in front of a, of a group and, and talking is not always natural. So um, bear with me if I say something that doesn't make any sense. Just kind of nod your head and keep going. Um, but uh, So we're right back in Ephesians, as he said. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and verse 7. Um, today we're going to talk about God's work in Christ. Uh, God's work in Christ. And uh, a little bit of review. We, um, we've kind of worked our way, and Josh has kind of given an overview um, of Ephesians, and the first couple of chapters are doctrinal, and then the last few chapters are practical. Uh, the first couple of, pra- uh, of chapters are relationship-based uh, with God. There, there are vertical relationship, and then the last several chapters is our relationship with man. It's a horizontal thing, um, and so in the last few weeks, we've discussed uh, the first time we talked about verses 1 and 2, grace and peace that come through Christ, and and God's grace always predates the peace that we'll get from him. The grace has to come first before God's going to bring that peace into our lives. And, and God doesn't promise um, riches or popularity. He doesn't promise us a lot as Christians, but he does promise grace and peace will be with us if we follow him. And, uh, and then in verses 3 through 6, last week Josh talked about our, our chosen status as, as children of God. Uh, the fact that we are adopted. We are literally adopted and brought into the family of God by choice. Realize that adoption is a choice. Think about this for a moment. Nowhere in Scripture do we find that that there is a requirement for God to save us that he would have to call us family. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that for us to be in heaven with him, we have to be family. But instead of just saving us and just bringing us to eternity with him, God chose to make us family. He chose to make us a part of his family. By choice, he makes us adopted children with all of the benefits of family. We have that. God chose to call you family today. Rest in that. So, so being chosen, it's a, it's a big deal, something we should be praising him for. Uh, verse 6, man, the, that phrase there, accepted in the beloved. What a phrase. I mean, every, you know what? Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to belong to something. Uh, that's why you find these internet groups uh, for everything you can imagine. Any kind of motorcycle, any kind of sport, uh, any kind of sports team fans, there's multiple websites for them to join up in and, and link together. Everybody wants to be a part of something. And you know what? No matter if you feel rejected or, or put off by man, you have a place with God. You are accepted in the beloved. And so then we'll move on to verse 7 in, in our text for the week, uh, talking about God's work in Christ. Um, in verses 3 through 6, by the way, we see the work of God the Father. In verses 7 and 8, we see the work of the Son. Uh, in verses 9 through t- 12, we, it talks about the mystery of His will. Uh, and then in verses 13 and 14, Josh will get to next week, uh, talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, You know, we would be doing these verses uh, an absolute disjustice if we didn't break them down one by one and dissect them. 
dissect them phrase by phrase. There's so much meat in these passages. And so we're going to do that. Um, Keep in mind that, uh, and he mentioned this last week, verses 3 through 14 in the original language, which I know nothing about, so clearly I read this somewhere. Uh, But in the original languages, that was one sentence. And anytime you open a commentary, you'll see them mention, the theologians will mention that this was the biggest sentence in probably all of Scripture. And so all of this is one connected thought. Uh, Even though we have to split it up uh, over a several week span, uh, that way we're not in here for like three hours on a Sunday morning uh, trying to teach it. So uh, just keep that in mind. So uh, talking about God's work in Christ, verse 7. So the first point is redemption in Christ. So verse 7 here, let's read this. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Uh, Right off the bat, it says in whom. That in whom is the beloved from the verse prior, verse 6. It is is Jesus Christ. And it says, so we see the person there. It is in whom. It's in him. We have to recognize that right away, that it's in him. It's in him that we have redemption and nowhere else. There's no possible redemption outside of Jesus Christ, the person. There's no possible redemption outside of him. So let's stop for a minute and and take a second to recognize that our works, our righteousness, all the good things that we do, they get us nowhere. Okay, being up here on the platform today, this gets me nowhere in my status with God. Um, Me showing up every Sunday morning, that gets me nowhere as far as God goes. It's in Christ. As we sung, it's in Christ alone. It's in him we have redemption. Nowhere else. You know what? It starts and ends with Jesus. You know, we may know that, but do our lives really reflect that? Do our lives really reflect that it's in Christ alone? Or am I looking for promotion? Am I looking for folks to look at me? And and there's nothing wrong with sharing on social media and sharing blessings. Do it by all means, but make sure that it's it's in Christ alone and I'm not looking for any glory there. It's in him. In him alone we have redemption, uh, verse 7 starts out with. So we see the person, but we also see the act. Look here, verse 7 says the next word there, in whom we have redemption. Redemption literally means to be bought back. Uh, It comes from a a, a word relating to ransom. It also means to liberate on receipt of ransom. Redemption literally means to purchase something back again. It means you already owned it and now you bought it. You had to buy it back a second time. Um, The story is told of a little boy who worked really hard with a fine piece of wood and some tools. And he made himself a little toy boat. He was extremely proud of this boat, and he would take it to the lake with the other boys, and he would sail it on the, on the tranquil waters of the lake near his house. Well, one day as he did that, it drifted out of sight, carried by a strong breeze. And, and all of his attempts to reach it or even to follow it with his eye were unsuccessful. Some weeks later, as he was walking through the busy streets with, shop, with the shops in the town and, and doing the window shopping, just looking, he saw that boat. And he went in, and, and despite all of his attempts to, to tell the guy, that, that the shop owner, that it was his, and, and even that he made it with his own hands, the shopkeeper said to him, if you want it, you must pay for it. The boy went home, counted the, all the savings from his bank. He realized he had just enough to buy that boat. 
He happily went back to the shop. He went in and he bought it. And he exclaimed, you're twice mine. He looked at that boat and he's excited. And he said, I made you and I purchased you. Well, Christian, God made you and he purchased you. Christ made you and then he had to buy you back a second time. You are twice his. And the price has forever been covered. That is redemption. That is what redemption is. Redemption, as the verse says, the next little phrase there, is linked with forgiveness of sins. You see, we will never spend eternity with God with sin in our life. And so part of redemption is that forgiving of sins. It's that wiping away of sin. So we see the person there. We see the act. And we also see the price. The next thing we see here is we see the price. It says redemption through his blood. You know what? Not only did he make you, but the ransom that he paid for you was extremely costly. It was costly. The price to buy us back was steep. Spurgeon uh, put it this way. He said, observe, it is not redemption through his power. It is redemption through his blood. It is not redemption through his love. It is redemption through his blood. You know what? His power and his love are important, but his blood was the price. It took that sacrifice on the cross. Understand that Jesus didn't buy us back by his moral example. Jesus didn't buy us back by living a sinless life. He didn't redeem us by his words. It came at a hefty price, and that, that was his death on the cross. It came at a hefty price, and that was his death on the cross. Um, over the years that we've been married, um, I have probably owned, I, I was trying to think about it earlier, and I think I've owned somewhere in the realm of probably like 13 cars. And Josh, some of you guys know this that know me well, that you've been around me. And by, by the way, they are not nice cars. They are old, you know, they're junk cars that I will buy. And then when something happens and it breaks down, I sell it uh, and I get something else. Um, and so probably in, in, in somewhere around 13 years, I've probably had about 15 or 16 vehicles. Um, it, it's funny, the, um, I called to get the little uh, toll pass sticker. And when you do that, they, they want to know your license plates that, that you use, that you own. And so she's like, okay, so tell me what car this goes. And she, I, I'm kidding you not. She started reading and she read like six or seven vehicles. She's like, was that the Jeep uh, Cherokee? No, not that one. Uh, was that the, is that the Toyota Tacoma? No, not that one either. Um, what about the, the Pontiac vibe? Was that, was, nope. Uh, it finally, after like six, I was like, no, no, no. It's the Honda Accord. Like, cause I knew she was going to go on forever. Um, I have owned a lot of cars and throughout that time, one of the things I've always told my wife is when I go to sell it, she'll say, well, what's it worth? And what is the phrase I always say? It's worth whatever somebody's going to pay for it. Whatever somebody is willing to pay for it, that is the value of the car. Okay, Kate Kelly Blue Book will tell you something and it'll give you a gauge. But um, like Hondas and Toyotas, they always sell a little bit more than Kelly Blue Book says, especially if it's a truck. Um, other cars will sell less than it's whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. That is the value of that vehicle. Well, friend, your value has been set awfully high. Your value has been set high. You say, well, you know what? I, 
whatever you think of yourself, no, no matter what, how you think and how you view yourself, no matter if you feel rejected, your value has been set high by your purchaser. Your value was worth the blood of Jesus Christ. So no matter what you feel or, or how down and out or, or how negative you get yourself, I know some of us deal with insecurity. Not everybody deals with that, but some of us deal with insecurity. Well, guess what? God viewed your values so high that he's willing to sacrifice his son to die for you. Your value has been set high. You are of high worth to the Savior. Verse 7 um, continues to tell us that the price was paid according to the riches of his grace. Look there, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. You know, we received something we didn't deserve so great, so obviously redemption was of God's grace, but it wasn't a small amount. It, it came from his riches. It had to be paid out of his riches. God poured his grace upon us when he sacrificed his son on the cross. Have you, have you ever invested in something for somebody or, or maybe some, bought something for your kids uh, and then regretted it later? Uh, maybe those uh, lessons, like the, the instrument, not, not piano, Carla, uh, but maybe those other instrument lessons that you invested in at some point and a few months later you said, oh gosh, I, I wish I would not have done that. Or, or maybe it was that sports. You put him on that sports team at the age of five and you were like, my son is going to be Lionel Messi. Look, at, he's going to be great. He's going to be awesome at soccer. And then you watched him on the sideline, and all he did was play. The coach said, hey, do you want to go in the game? And he said, nah, I'm good. Like, you regretted it later. Or, or maybe you instantly regretted a big purchase. One of the cars I bought one time, I was, this had to be about 2006 or so. I was in the mortgage business, uh, pretty fresh out of college. And I, I thought I was big time. Like, I thought I was making some And I was making okay money at that time for a, for a guy with a Bible college education in the secular world. Um, and I was doing okay, but, but I, I thought I was going to be cool, and I have no idea where I got the idea, but I thought I wanted to own an old Mercedes. Now, let me tell you something. European cars are great if they're new. If they are old, they're not great. But I thought I was going oh, I, I to get an old Mercedes. So, what does a 23-year-old with some money to burn do? He goes to eBay. <laughs> I went to eBay and I bought an 83 Mercedes. The pictures look great. But not only did I buy it off of eBay, the car was in Massachusetts. I never saw it besides pictures. I'm telling you, when the truck finally, I, I also paid to have it shipped. When the truck got there to the house in Crown Point, Indiana, and it started backing it off the truck, I was like, okay. When I opened the door, I was not so happy. Like, um, I, I was regretting that purchase immediately. Like, the leather that looked really nice was extremely stiff and old. Obviously, it had been sitting forever in the sun. The dashboard was cracked. It didn't really run very good. I regretted that purchase. I, I, I instantly regretted that purchase. But understand that God didn't regret the price 
he paid for redemption. Look at verse 8 here. Uh, so verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Okay, it says that this purchase, the redemption God bought us back, was done in all wisdom and prudence. Prudence, understanding. That means God in his foresight, not only did he choose us, but God in his foresight knew what Steve Morrissey would be like. He knew my mistakes in the future and said, I want him anyways. I'm going to buy him anyways. God poured out the riches of his grace on you in all wisdom and understanding. You know, it wasn't a hasty decision he regretted later. So your value is great and your purchase was wise. God looked at that purchase and said, I'll do it. I want to do it. I know everything in the future, and I'm going to do it anyways. So redemption in Christ, number one. Number two, God's plan in Christ. We see God's plan in Christ next here, verse 9. It says, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed, in himself. Uh, verse 9 there talks about having made known unto us the mystery of his will. You know, a part of what belongs to us under the riches in his grace is the knowledge of the mystery of his will. You see, we have knowledge at this point in history that they didn't have at some point. It was a mystery. God's great plan and purpose was once hidden, but it's now revealed to us in Jesus. God has revealed his eternal plan to us, and that plan centers on Jesus Christ. It centers on the Redeemer. God's plan here is spelled out. What is God's plan? It's spelled out here in verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, that means in the right time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. God's plan is to unite all things in Christ. God's plan is to ultimately bring together to resolve all things in Christ. And this will happen when the time is right. That's what the fullness of time means. That means when God looks at the whatever his calendar is, God doesn't exist in time, but God has a time appointed. And at that time, he's going to bring all things together in Christ. The word gather together here, the bring together, it has the idea of uniting. It has the idea of summing up. It was actually a mathematical uh, term that they would use. It was used in the process of adding up a column of figures. And Paul's thought that he is getting across is that God will make all things add up in the end when the time is right. Okay, we don't have to know everything. We don't have to understand all that God is doing, but he has the timing lined up, and in the end, he's going to bring everything together and make it right. This is the great and final resolution that all creation is looking for. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 18. And in verse 18 it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature 
waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath suggested the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, that's people, that's animals, that's creation, groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also. So realize that he's not talking about just people when he's saying creation, because he says, and not only they, but us too, people, which have the first few which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Paul says that both the creatures and ourselves are groaning. All of creation is just waiting. Just waiting for that day when God will redeem us, or, or He already has redeemed us, I'm sorry, but when God comes back and He takes us out, when everything is made right, in that day every wrong will be righted. Every broken thing will be made whole, and every matter will be resolved in Christ. Whether through Jesus as Savior or Jesus as Judge. Realize that. Either, either everything's going to be brought together by Jesus as Savior, we're gone, us that have believed in Christ, we're up. Or it's Jesus as Judge, and the, it's resolution, it's done. Everything will be put back together at that point. God's plan is to unify all things in Christ. All things through Christ, it says there in, in Ephesians chapter 1. So if all things are in Christ, if God's plan is to unify all things in Christ, how do we think that we're going to have unity without Christ? If, if God himself says that, that I'm going to bring all things together and it's going to be in Christ Jesus, how do we on earth think that our relationships and the people that we deal with, and, and our church even, how do we think that we're going to find unity without him? It's got to be in Jesus Christ alone. That's the only way. I mean, I, I, a couple of years ago I was teaching a class, and I, made, I, made, I stated it this way. In this room we've got UNC fans. We have Duke fans. We have Michigan fans. And we have Ohio State fans. We have people that like certain things and people that hate those things. I hate Michigan. Anyways, um, so we've got, how in the world could we find the unity to, to come together, to joyfully come together? We have people from all walks of life, all ages, all backgrounds. We come together in Christ. That's how we find our unity is in Christ. And that's the only way that we will find unity. That's the only way that, that God says, I will bring all things together in Christ. So we see God's plan in Christ. We see our redemption in Christ, signifying our worth and our value to him. And, and you've been bought with a price. Your life has value and worth. And that should not only change how you see yourself, but it should change what you do and how you live. Okay, it, Everybody understand that if you pay a lot of money for something, you're going to take care of whatever item that is. You're going to take care of it because it has value to you. You, you spent some money on it. Maybe it's a sentimental thing. Something has passed down to you from grandma or grandpa when they passed away. That's important to you. If they pass down a Bible to you 
and you see your kids with that Bible and a crayon in their hands, you're going, no, 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 no. All the way to something as silly as sunglasses. Josh and I were talking about his Maui gyms, and, and a few years ago I finally jumped the shark and I dropped a couple hundred bucks for a pair of Ray-Bans or whatever they are. And, you know, before that it's $10 uh, sunglasses from Sheets, you know, and if they break, who cares? If they're on the floorboard, who cares? But when you spend some money on them, you're like, okay, I'm going to put these back in the case. When you see your kid grabbing them to put them on, you're like, no, 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 no. Um, my son likes to wear mine, and I take them from him. You, you, there's value in that, okay? There's value in your life. Your life costs the Savior his blood. There's value. So it shouldn't just change how you see yourself. It should change how you live your life and how you act. Also, we see that he has a master plan in place. You know, God isn't running things on a reactive basis. Okay, God's not up there going, oh no, did you, oh no, Peter, did you see that explosion? I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why these countries are fighting. I don't know why the president is there. I don't know why this guy got elected or that guy got elected. Or did you see that church? They're, they're fighting. God, God, God has a plan in place. He has a master plan. And when everything is right in his timing, he's going to bring it all together in Jesus Christ. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.church. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.